Exist Here we are, everybody. The special episode of Just Deep Enough with Tracy and Josh. Josh and Tracy's Just Deep Enough podcast, and we have special guests Mitch and Claire here this evening. Hi, Mitch. Hi, Claire. Hello. Hi. <laughs> we just found out we were doing this podcast five seconds ago. Yeah, which gave you more than enough time to prepare. Uh, what is this podcast about? Well, philosophy, relationships, timelines. Tracy's coherent thoughts because she's such a good communicator, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, ghosts, uh, addiction, um, grocery shopping planning. Did we do, oh, we did planning. Did we include grocery shopping as part? We did our thing on how to plan things. So that gives you like a general sampling. That gave us both a sort of of sad rest of the day as we realized that we couldn't plan anything bigger than grocery shopping that day. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, it's called Just Deep Enough. Which, and so it's about um, looking at topics that we think are philosophically interesting and taking them to that, that a little deeper than a birdbath level. Yeah, but mm-hmm. not like way too high stone or deep. Okay. No. I would disagree. Or, I would disagree. I would say it gets very stone Or like serious Sons philosopher deep. Oh, wow. I don't know what philosophers you're talking yeah. about. But Those are two I'm kinds of deep. mud that we don't step I in. totally am in that mud right now. I'm always in that mud. I know you are. Yeah, so then, but what am I? You are. <laughs> okay, so that's the general, that gives you a feel of the general feeling Got of it. our thing. We make up stuff and then we <laughs> do a lot of puns. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, um, so Claire and Mitch are... Guests. Yes, and you're feeling really nervous right now and just really jumping in and not let me finish any sentences. Okay, so, okay, Mitch... So I think we're going to start interviewing you about your relationship. No, no, ours is is fine, Mitch. There's nothing to see here. No, um, no, just kidding. Okay, so Mitch and Claire, you all have a big, exciting event coming up in May. Mm Mm-hmm. Mother's Day, right? Excited about that. Oh, and then also, um, you're getting married. Yes. And Mother's Day will be irrelevant to them. I shouldn't, that wasn't like in, in implying that um, that Mitch was expecting or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, so mother, Mother's Day is the weekend before, right? Yes. Yeah. We have co-opted the whole month for us. <laughs> That's so exciting. And how come you decided to get married? <laughs> you got nothing on that. <laughs> uh, Claire describes it as that she wants to trap me. Mm. That mm-hmm. um, if she could, she would chain me up in her basement, mm. but that marriage is sufficient. Mm. Well, now that Kelly's moving out, will there be room down there yes. in the basement? Probably. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should have mm. thought about that. Uh-huh. You can be upstairs for now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cool. Yeah, that um, that's very sweet. So she wants to trap you, and marriage a hundred percent does that because it is. Um, once you get married, you can never get unmarried. I don't know if you mm-hmm. realize that. It's it's true, legally binding, both by law and nature. Can <laughs> no marriage can be dissolved. Mm-hmm. So true. So that's Uh-oh. good. Um, and how about you, Claire? How come? So that that was like both of you, but he's saying so. Okay, that's why Claire wanted to get married. Why did you agree? Was it to avoid the basement? Was it because you felt flattered by the idea of being chained up? What was it? Um, I think it was just 
like a, it was a reversal because like I, I wasn't looking for marriage. In fact, I didn't think I would marry ever again because I, I was married for nine years and it was um, pretty painful. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just didn't think after that experience, I didn't think that there would be a reason to get married. And, and I was kind of certain of that, right? And that was kind of a sin, right? Mm-hmm. I, Certainty, yep. yeah. Maybe um, thinking that there are sins is the sin. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's just deep enough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're on board. You're on board. <laughs> um, and so finding somebody that... Um, I would be confident spending the rest of my life with change that. I was like, oh, well, I guess it's like, I guess she took away the fear. Oh. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, it's like when you tell someone you're going to chain them up in your basement, they're like, I'm not afraid anymore. Yeah, that that does make sense. Mm Yeah, I guess the, like, even though it's not final, I guess the the finality and the legally binding part of it, like, all that does make it seem like, oh, you've really got to find the right person, and that, and, I mean, whatever you think about love, like, there's people that say that there are, like, soulmates, and people that say that soulmates is bullshit, and that you can make it work with anybody, well... <laughs> well, I mean that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> right. That third part. <laughs> I, I'm definitely on the on the scale where like you cannot make it work with anybody. Um, and but the finality of it made me think, like, well, if I ever got married again, like the person would have to be like perfect. Which I am. Wow. Yeah. I suspected that you were, but I, it seemed weird and kind of creepy for me to say it. So I'm glad you said it. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. What is your standard of perfection? How do you, I mean, since, you know, perfection is maybe not a static thing and maybe it's in the eye of the beholder. What are the um, criteria of perfection in your mind? Uh, I think things that, um, that fit together well, right? Like, have you seen those videos that are labeled as oddly satisfying uh, you know what I, you know what I'm talking about. No, I that's the I things, thought things spreading is something that will be oddly satisfying. Yeah, I thought the, I thought oddly satisfying was the discount bin at Adam and Eve. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So I don't know. Have you ever watched a video I haven't, I haven't where it. somebody <laughs> just like places something somewhere and it just like fits perfectly. Ah, uh, you yeah, know, you yeah, know what I'm yeah. talking about? Like yeah, sure, sure, sure. It, it could be something intentional, like a home improvement project, and it's like you're watching somebody perfectly fit some molding together, and you're like, oh, wow. But it's even mm. more impressive when it's unintentional. Right. Right? So picture me, like, just out of a divorce, 
I won't tell you how just out of because it's three in, weeks. No, it was longer than three weeks. Four <laughs> weeks. <laughs> and what am I thinking? I am going to spread my seed. I have been the <laughs> like sexually kind of a Kublai Khan kind of thing, or who was it? No, Marco Polo. Genghis Khan. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Like <laughs> clearly, I was like sexually repressed and like religiously like um, like forced into like marriage and like I've had sex with one woman my entire life and I'm gonna. Go out, like, don't need uh, to get married. Like, that was not Because while you were in that oppressive religion, apparently you had some exposure to television. So you had this idea that, <laughs> that there were options. <laughs> right. Yeah. I guess <laughs> television was very, very valuable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think, you know how we were talking earlier, how watching TV can be a skill? I think... <laughs> Like recognizing the person who you can be with is a skill. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. You know? We can we can learn how to recognize the person that will be oddly satisfying for us. <laughs> <laughs> it just slid in. Um. Exactly. Uh, I was on I was on a dating app. For literally a day, less than a day, I think I signed up in the evening, and by morning I had talked to Claire, and the next day we were out on our date, yeah. and so like, she just, yeah, it was definitely just like a slide in, and whoa, this fits better than anything that I thought could happen, and yeah, that's... Well, I think there was a big timeline shift right around there to get a little metaphysical. Yeah. There was a big timeline shift that happened around there and a lot of things slid. Mm -hmm. And yeah, a lot of people left marriages at that time. Yeah. They could For timeline shift, see, Josh and Tracy, just yeah. deep enough, week five. Sorry. <laughs> and by the way, we didn't do a great job explaining it. But you guys, if you've ever listened to our show, we don't, that's not our goal anyway, explaining shows. We just say a lot of words. I'm being a, the foil for a moment here is what I'm doing. Ah, the foil. Oh, that's a trope. Nice job. High five. High five yeah. on trope. There was definitely enough change in the world happening that forced changes in many areas of life that all of a sudden it became easier to grasp making other big changes, right? Maybe. Yeah. Or maybe we didn't timeline shift. Maybe oh, we're in a different we're timeline. In the, we're stuck in the bad timeline still? Yeah. This is the bad place? <laughs> this is a place. This is, this, is just a, this is just a significantly different trajectory. And I don't even, I'm just making noises. I don't know if any of that's true. But I don't know that's not true either. Mm -hmm. I'm really good at that no certainty thing, by the way. If that's like actually a goal, I totally am kicking butt on it. Claire, did, did you know you would get married someday, Claire? Oh, I was bound and determined to, but, to have it happen. But you thought otherwise, though. You thought, thought that it, it would impossible. never happen. I thought it was impossible. You were determined and you thought it was impossible? Yes. Elaborate. Um, I was like, I will never find a human being I can get along with, ever. But I would try. Aww. You go for quantity over quality. 
Mm-hmm. Throw mm-hmm. macaroni at the wall. You see which mm-hmm. ones stick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then those are your macaroni. And nothing was sticking. Mm-hmm. But eventually one stuck. Mm-hmm. So that is more romantic. Yeah. <laughs> but I appreciate the cooking metaphors. Yeah. <laughs> Who hasn't thrown macaroni at a wall? Just when I was a little kid, I remember doing it because it, it's like somewhere along the line you got to say that you, that's what you're supposed to yeah. do. I so never did to, it. Well, it was we did it. I remember doing it. Um, it's not too late. For I'm you. going to do it within um, the next month. It's pointless. I, tr- I I've been down that road, Josh. It's a dead end. <laughs> the macaroni road. <laughs> Don't go down the macaroni road. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> macaroni road. So much true. Not okay. Real. All right. So. So, um, so you guys are energetically really a nice fit for sure. Yeah. The vibes are right. It is very good. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, it's getting the Tracy stamp of approval. Oh, thank God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I feel kind of privileged. I don't think I have ever been in the presence of people who are engaged where I, like, I feel optimistic being around you, too. Oh. <laughs> no, I just feel... Oh, yeah. For the world and yourselves. <laughs> yeah. I'll take... I'll see that and raise you yeah. a... I feel myself just more peaceful. Yeah. So it feels peaceful to me mm-hmm. that you guys Maybe are together. Maybe we were the timeline shift. Um, I don't know. Could be. I definitely experienced the timeline shift. Thank you, during, Mr. Skeptical Face. Um, during the <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Did you see his, his little smarty pants skeptical uh, eyeball? Was skeptical? He had a skeptical eyeball. Mm. It was probably one? the eye I can't see. Mm-hmm. But now he's now he's owning up to it. He he noticed it too. Go on. I mean, <laughs> up up until I want to say the two years before. So starting in like 2018, I started listening to a lot of stuff about timeline shifting and dimension hopping but really it's it's just manifestation is mm-hmm, is mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. I think it is so yeah yeah um, it's both yeah. both and I I dabbled with you know trying to jump timelines and and, nice job. and change things and it wasn't until I think yeah 2020 that I figured it out and I just like reached a, a threshold where um, the universe was forcing me to learn it, I think. <laughs> and it, it had to do with thoughts versus feelings. Mm. I was, I mean, I'm an INTJ. Claire is also an INTJ. We are very thoughts focused and not feelings focused, mm-hmm. right? Well, I think that's actually delusional. I think no matter who you are, we are driven by feelings. And what I, how I was operating my life is I was trying to think my way into a successful life and a happy life mm. and going off of what I think is true or what I you know, at the time, like, know to be true, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to think that I know things, uh, and just ignoring my feelings, right? And so that's, like, why I stayed with my ex-wife for so long, because I'm like, well, 
I feel awful every day in this relationship, but I think I can work on it, or I think that uh, all it needs is this, and I think it's the right thing to do to stay because of these religious reasons, and then I got rid of the religion, and that, that fell away, and then I was like, well, now I have these other reasons that I think it's the right thing to do to stay, and I'm very... Enneagram, I see the Enneagram book on your bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Yes, right there. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very... I'm a five with a four wing. Anyway, go ahead. Mm. Do you know your Enneagram? He knows. Yeah. She's a three. I'm a one, so I was very, like, one focus, which is the perfection, which is, like, I need to... Things need to be, like, objectively perfect, you know, and it needs to match that, not how I feel. Well... Mm-hmm. I completely 180'd on that, hmm. and now I think that how I feel about things is far more important and represents more truth. Hmm. Yeah, well I think the one of the things about the rejection of, or the suspicion of feelings is also again tied to the fear of the body in general, just right because feelings are in your in one's body, mm-hmm. and the body is, you know, the devil's playground and all, as it were. Um, you know, it's another thing that gets disconnected, and thoughts can seem a safer place. And also, certain religious practice practices can become extremely well any kind of a belief, but religious practices also can become very legalistic, mm-hmm. right? You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, and I'll, I'm safe if I'm logical is the motto of that thinking. Right. And, um, but unfortunately, if your logic takes you in a direction that disputes the thing you were taught, well then now all of a sudden, now it's the devil. Mm-hmm. It's like a really great system. Like if I was gonna come up with a thing that to trap people, I would say, okay, <laughs> you need to believe this thing. <laughs> and if you don't believe it, it's because you're possessed by demons. So, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. such a time saver. And that's the literal culture that I grew up in. Yeah. Yeah. And not just grew up in, like, I was in that until like four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you afraid of leaving? Like, when you left, did you think, were you waiting for a, to get struck by lightning? Mm-mm. You were all the way ready to roll? You knew you were, did you, you weren't afraid of it? Probably. It was a slow, a slow departure, I would say. Um, yeah, because I, I started listening to things that kind of described how our, our Western interpretation of religion, you know, put such an emphasis on the text and the words and the, and the literal translation, right? And Mm-hmm. But also skipping huge parts of the Bible, let's be honest. Like, people who are, like, Bible literalists, I'm like, which part? Because you are not paying that much attention to the extra weird parts. Yes, yes. The Bible is so full of so much extra weird stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they put, like, in, in the, they put, like, all that begetting right before the having sex with giants. Because they figure, oh, no one's going to make it through all this begetting. Right. <laughs> and they're just not, and, and then, and then, which people don't. And they just skip to the next book, right? 
But there's a lot of people having sex with giants and angels. No, having sex with angels and having Nephilim. baby giants. Yeah. And, I mean, there's all this stuff. And, like, every, nobody's, like, paying any attention to that. Oh, my family was. I will tell you what. Oh, neat. Oh, I know all about, yeah, the Nephilim and vi- visiting and having having sons and daughters with, you know. Where did all the giants go? Well, actually... <laughs> You're getting a window into fundamentals. Oh man! Okay, there's right this now. guy on YouTube named I think his name is Trey Smith. Um, he's got a three-hour video. Oh, not long enough. <laughs> with like documenting all the different giant skeletons and giant skulls that have been found on, on like every continent, and so like they're there. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I would feel so bummed if otherwise. Right. I would ask, like to ask Claire a question. Woohoo! Knowing that um, Mitch has gone through some transitions to be the point where you two are in the space where you're at relationship-wise, how does your knowledge of what he's transitioned away from and into affect your connection to him? Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. Yeah. Because previous Mitch super fundy like uh-huh. <laughs> consumer uh-huh. like anti-teflon yeah like the lord cometh and give me mm-hmm. reason and drive i don't think we would have gotten uh-uh. no uh-uh. i don't think no i see that but i will say his exodus from the church like lends credence to the fact that he's a critical thinker, mm-hmm. which I'm very into. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't trust anyone more than an addict who has gotten clean, mm-hmm. like because they went through like the self transformation process to sobriety. Mm-hmm. Where if like you think of like someone like deep in the church, like deep in there, transforms into like a Christian sober, sober of Christianity, and I'm like it's pretty, pretty good. So I like it more because of that. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, he got, he spent some time getting here. Mm-hmm. And something that I was self-conscious of, which is like being a divorcee and entering the dating market again, um, she actually appreciated. This is true. So I maintained that I would only ever want to marry some, like a widower mm. because I didn't want someone who gave up on a marriage, right? Yeah. And yeah. I didn't want someone who like like i don't know like left his wife and because he had a fling like the typical reasons for deep yeah. divorce i'm yeah. making a lot of generalizations here mm-hmm. but i saw a pattern of like male divorcees and i'm like i don't want any of that right. so only a man who dies oh. or only oh man, yeah only I, I want to marry a dead guy too <laughs> only a man whose wife had died this is the only oh, thing okay yeah um, or dead guys, vampires. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they have they have like really good um, uh, finances because yeah. they have multi generational. They have multi generational yeah, wealth. Interest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, go ahead. No, you're so correct. So vampires <laughs> or widowers. But then he spent ten years of trying to get his marriage to work. So I mean, like that's past the threshold of trying. Mm-hmm. So he was like the widow widower without the death of the wife. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Nice. Mm. I don't know if that made a lot of sense. No, it totally did. It makes total sense. I'm really glad that you, like, explained that. It's a perspective that doesn't get voiced a whole lot, which is why I felt it was a valuable thing to see what would happen when I... And the work that I put into trying to make that marriage last, 
I, I I developed a complex. And so this wasn't just in my marriage, but it was just in my life in general. I felt like the hard work I was putting into life was not getting rewarded. Mm. Right. So like finding someone who like saw that value, you know, and like saw that as a positive thing, mm-hmm. like suddenly gave me, I don't know, better feelings about it. Like, oh, it wasn't a waste of time, you know, to put that much effort. You know, mm-hmm. somebody recognizes it and it, it went towards something good, something really good, which is our relationship. Mm-hmm. Truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to, I, I, I feel comforted when I see someone who's been through something, for sure. I mean, it, you, get a, you get to see how a person accommodates going through a thing. Mm-hmm. Plus, it takes like you said, like critical thinking and the ability to risk um, a challenge to a fragile, you know, to a fragile ego state and all these kinds of things for a person to change. Yes. Um, And so, yeah, that's a desirable characteristic. People that stay the same their whole entire lives are mysterious to me. They really are. But I mean, nobody can stay completely the same, but some people kind of pick a side, you might say, and kind of dig their heels in on being a certain way, it seems, their whole lives. And I, I I, don't even know how they do it sometimes. Some people are shockingly stagnant. Like, I don't think, mm-hmm. no offense to your parents, but I don't think they have changed viewpoints in 15 years or 20 years mm-hmm. or 30 years. I mean, and yeah, that was the first thought that came to my mind was um, just how deep the heels are dug in with my parents which is actually admirable like if you pick something and you're like this is what i choose to stick with it for that long is like i don't know if it's admirable but i think it's understandable and it is more the norm i'd say it's more when you put it in like it's i think it's very common to do it and i think and i think it's because it's so scary to consider that one might be wrong it's like being happy the only thing is certainty, in a sense. I do believe that certainty is a trap, for sure. I don't... So I, I think that everybody has a core worldview. And when we pick our beliefs, we're, we're actually just picking things that already match up with that core worldview. Mm-hmm. And so if you... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you are in that state of certainty where you are certain about something, then then it does shut off the conversation and you're, you're no longer picking beliefs based off of facts or, you know, any, mm-hmm. any external source. It's all coming from within you. And I, I learned this because my... My mother, oh God, I hope this never <laughs> gets to her, uh, like started to believe that the earth was flat mm-hmm. and like really went into that. Mm-hmm. All sorts of YouTube videos, all sorts of conspiracy theories and like convinced herself that like the reason why she believes it is because of all the science and all the facts that she's learned, right? But when she would send me videos, like, 
the the really good flat earth videos. Like these are the real the <laughs> real guys. Values with theme songs. <laughs> these are the guys who have done their research. Oh. Guess what they start out with? They start out with like, I believe in the Bible, and the Bible says that the earth is flat. There's 400 verses that the Bible, you know, or there's 400 verses that imply that the earth is flat from the Bible. And they like start with that basis, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, oh, well, if you're starting there, then I already know that your belief in this is because of your belief in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And now I see that pattern everywhere now. Like we, mm-hmm. there's just a core belief that our ego protects with a steel wall. Mm-hmm. And I feel super lucky to have had an experience where my core belief got shattered, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, I do think that that's really hard to do. And I don't think it was any, like, I'm not trying to brag. Like, I, I don't think it was any of my doing. I just Well, uh, like... of course it was your doing. You will use your agreement. Like, it's not bragging. Yeah. Good gravy. But no, it's, it's not bragging. It's just, it does take um, courage. And I always say, like, when a person bumps up against that shift in consciousness of, a, like, shifting out of a, from a more limited to a less limited ego state, mm-hmm. um, they have to walk past a gate that says, you will, you might die or go crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, part of it too. <laughs> right? Is, and you uh, have to be willing to go, okay, I'm going in anyway. It's what I'm thinking here is that what I was thinking about people that don't change is that they don't, their life is not, their core belief, they don't see the pain in their life that they have being associated with that core belief. And so it doesn't get confronted. Now, mm-hmm. if there is some element of our lives that is really difficult or painful and we see a connection to that suffering with the core belief, then the courage that's required to question that is a kind of self-compassion, you know? So that, you know, willingness to break through the core belief is an exercise in compassion, you know? Because mm-hmm. that that's, I was thinking about you earlier talking about how, you know, courage is a poor man's um. compassion. And I was trying to think of, okay, so if it takes courage to break through a core belief, it must mean that there's a compassion that's like, the rich version of that. And it was, yes, it was the, a realization that this core belief hurts in some way. It's hurting your capacity to love, your capacity to, to learn and be open to the world, right? Mm. Yeah. And if that is a reality, then the core belief, you gotta have the courage to do whatever it takes, right? Because mm-hmm. it's yeah. gonna, you know. Well, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think you are correct. Yeah. And. and um, I was a very not spiritual person at all in any capacity before I met Mitch. At all. Mm-hmm. Like, people were like, where do you go after you die? I'm like, you dissolve. Mm-hmm. Like, man, life's a bitch, then you die. Yeah. But then it was like, just so aligned, like a lot of stuff just like worked too well. And things happened just at the right time that I was like, okay, maybe there's something to this. Mm-hmm. Maybe this that uh, oddly satisfying yeah, bit. Like, maybe there's something just a little preordained yeah. matchy-matchy about this. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it wasn't like a, like I was in great suffering or there was like this big shift or like Christianity was oppressive or whatever. I just like 
found some compelling situation. Mm -hmm. and right, and all it is there, and if I may, it's just recognizing that the universe has more going on than your glia of your brain. Yeah. Right? So that, and, and so there's mysteries that you have not solved. Mm -hmm. Right? But that doesn't have, that can be very mathy. Mm -hmm. You know, it can be very physics-y. Oh, I mean, it makes sense because it's like, I have my bunnies, right? The bunnies have no concept of government. The bunnies don't know Russia exists. They just know I go out there twice a day and give them food and they live in the yard. And mm -hmm. so if we think about that, if you like interpolate that to a higher level, like we live and we know about the government and, but we're still in the yard of planet Earth or our observable universe. Mm -hmm. a, so you can just keep going up. There's a really good example of that yeah. in a movie called I Origins. And like it, I, the pronoun I or eyeballs? It's both. The title is with the pronoun I, but the movie is about the origin of the eyeball. A scientist is trying to prove evolution and he's doing it by combating a common, um, a common thing said by creationists, which is that the eyeball is such a complex, you know, piece of machinery that like it couldn't have possibly evolved, right? Mm -hmm. So this the scientist is trying to find the gene that creates the eyeball, right, mm -hmm. and and prove to the world that evolution can happen. Well, he he gets this spiritual girlfriend, right? <laughs> Spiritual girlfriend. <laughs> and a spiritual girlfriend. And they're, they're like... Troy Abed and a spiritual girlfriend in the morning. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. And they're like studying these worms. And the, um, the, the girlfriend is like, so how, how many senses do these worms have? And they're like, well, they have like touch and like smell, I think. They have like two senses. And she's like, so... These worms are here in the dirt, and we are above them, and they have no idea that we're here, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah. You know, and that gets you to think, like, we have six senses or, or, or five senses, maybe more, that, you know, senses that we don't even know about. Um, but yeah, just the idea that, like, we are confined to a spectrum of light and a mm -hmm. spectrum mm -hmm. of hearing and mm -hmm. also a spectrum of scent like mm -hmm. we only pick up what we pick up so it is logical and mathematical and yeah. mm -hmm. proof driven that there are things larger than us but i just mm -hmm. had never come across anything that supported that so i was like mm -hmm. yeah sure it makes sense but like nothing has been particularly magical yeah. Mm. So you had a little magic, and then you went, oh, okay. So and then you read a book. We read a book. Oh, yeah. Oh, that book. This guy, he was um, a businessman who worked in finance, like, square. Boring dude. Got a book up his butt about learning about spirituality and went on, like, this documentation quest to learn about, like, astral projection and, like, future sight and, like, cold reading from psychics and random number generators being altered by like world events mm -hmm. and i was like all of this stuff is bullshit do not believe it but that man went and found like documented evidence and 
behold, he had his research, he had his, like, his studies, which are not reproducible, but he found some studies. Mm-hmm. Is he an eyeball guy? What was it? What was the, um, who's this guy? What's his name? I don't know his name. Was it a movie? No, it's a book. No, this is oh, a, a book. the book is called An End to Upside-Down Thinking. And the upside-down thinking that he ref- is referring to is that consciousness comes from... Thank matter. you. It's the other way around. Yes. It's the other yes. way around, right? Con- like, the matter, yes. Consciousness Con- comes first. Consciousness, consciousness creates, creates yeah. reality, right? right? Exactly. So that's what he... He's finding that theme through all of these different... Um, like paranormal things. Yeah. She called it the spooky book whenever we were reading it. I like spooky Mm -hmm. stuff. We were reading the spooky book. So yeah, but that's, that's the thing. It's like, um, it's like a perceptual bias, right? Mm -hmm. That we, if people, what we call consciousness, I mean, consciousness through how we experience it is a certain way. Mm -hmm. And then we get all speciesist and assume that nothing else on the planet is experiencing it. Yeah. And then we think that that to think otherwise would be, anthropomorphizing and making things spiritual, but it's the other way around. If we really believe that we are the only ones who are experiencing consciousness, that is religiosity Mm -hmm. because it would imply that there is something in us that is unique. Mm -hmm. And no, if there is consciousness in us and we are made of the same stuff as the universe, then there is consciousness in this rug and my shoes and you and that light bulb and my annoying little nasal voice. I think like everyone goes through a solipsism phase. Yeah, so not like, everyone, not everyone, but yeah, a lot of people do. 92% of people. Really did 92% think, do solipsism? I think like a large handful of people like are making coffee one day and they're like, I'm the only thing that really exists. And then can kind of justify okay, fair, shitty fair, behavior. Fair, fair. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, well, if I'm the only thing that exists, I'm going to send a mean text to my boyfriend because, like, my boyfriend isn't real. And I think mm-hmm. that this is confounded by video games. Hell yeah. NPC characters. So, like, mm-hmm. in a video game, you are the only sentient thing playing. Mm-hmm. Like, you're the only thing that is making choices and is moving off script. Mm-hmm. I think that's the greatest fault of video games <laughs> is, like, enforcing, like, solipsistic thoughts in people. Well, what about taking it to the next thing, the idea that we are probably in an um, artificial... 100%. So with that in mind, they've just figured out how to work that out because presumably we all four have as close to free will as can be virtually created. I mean, do we? Exactly. Oh, no. We are wading in above the knee. Nah. Everything matters. Put on your... Oh, it all matters. (laughs) It all matters. It all matters. Because it, it, what difference would it make mm-hmm. if this is like an organic, um, literal, literally organic thing, or just a virtually seemingly organic thing? It wouldn't matter more if we were made out of meat yeah. than made I out of data. It's like important for people to feel like they chose to be here. I think so. If like we go in the video game analogy, people are like, "I chose to play this video game." Oh my gosh! So I have like agency in existing versus people who are just launched here and really want to be here. That is one of the most helpful mindsets that I have developed since like the timeline shift is <laughs> thinking that I chose all of this. Oh yeah, right? it creates the ultimate internal locus of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and ultimately, I think I think it. I mean, I'm I hesitate to be certain 
in any sort of final way, but there yeah. are some things that I, uh, premises I operate within. And one is the 100% responsibility of each human being yeah. in creating their deal. Yeah. Well, so no, I think that there were things that like objectively I have just been subjected to in life, right? So like you can't choose the family you're born to, right? Well, I mean, some would say, mystically, there would be someone say, yes, it, in fact, some, so yeah, some so people would say that you do. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like there are things that have happened to me that just have existed in my life that like, you know, a rational quote, rational person would say like I had no choice in, but yes, if you if you have um, like the mindset that you existed before being here, that you could probably choose. Or even we don't even have to get into a before and after thing. You just have the sense that if I have a sense that um, I my little lump of consciousness mm-hmm. has certain things to accomplish, and therefore will be in certain kind of settings where those things will be required. Okay, so I'm going to ask you guys a question now. So my my therapist really believes in karma mm-hmm. and that we are all here to work out our karma, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know a whole lot about Buddhism but that's Buddhism is beside the point. I just want to know what you guys think about karma and if it's got an active role in our lives. I'll let uh, Tracy. You have a answer, kind of locked and loaded. My karma. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Big, big, big picture. The concept of karma is a little bit easy to. Be problematic potentially. Um, I'll put that in a stick. I'll put that over stick of Okay. Most practical Newtonian as re- response is, yeah, of course there's karma because and what we put out there comes back mm-hmm. because there's things are cyclical in nature. Yeah. Um, uh, people often interpret the idea of karma as a reward and punishment, implying that there is something outside oneself that is meeting out rewards and punishment. That's not the idea of karma. The karma is just like, I mean, on the most simple level in the here and now, if I um, start cussing and knock that table over, everything will change. And I will get the response of people being afraid of me or weirded out or whatever. So I'll get in the instant, I'll get that karma back. So it's more of just the system acting with But sometimes there are delays. Yeah. That's the point. Sometimes there are delays. And one thing that I have noticed in terms of karma is that the more aware people are of these principles, the quicker their karma comes back. Some people, Mm -hmm. it is, it is a, it is a, it is a harsh, harsher karma that takes a long time to come because it makes it harder to create an understanding in your own mind of the causal relationship between action and reaction. Um, but, but also it means that when people have a quicker response, a quicker turnaround time on their karmic reaction or their karmic return, they tend to at minimum get a little bit more scrupulous about their behavior. 
because they know they're going to get it back quick. But 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 operating just on that level would also not be a very high life condition because it would just be still in a different way looking at rewards and punishment. Um, now, all of that being said, now, this is where it's troubling. Well, not troubling, but where the, the concept of karma, as I just described it, relies on a time construct of past, present, and future, mm-hmm. right? Which I think is even more fundamentally an illusion. Everything is simultaneous, actually. Well, isn't there a, a, an aspect to karma that is like multi-generational? Like you're, you might be paying for the karma of your last iteration here on Earth. Right. right? Again, in that sort of a thing, then it's like implies that there's a past. Yeah. Right. But truthfully, there probably isn't really a past. Time is probably an illusion. But okay. But um, <clears throat> nevertheless. That isn't, we always want to split everything into dichotomies in this in time and space. So it's not like either it's time is an illusion or there's a past, present, and future. There's probably both are probably true. There's mm-hmm. a past, present, and future, and there is no time. But right. okay. So another thing from a Buddhist perspective, just that sort of, they, there, there isn't this sense of, and when I say Buddhist, it'd be like saying Christian. To somebody, if I was like talking to someone who'd never heard of Christianity and I just said Christian and I said, this is what Christians believe. Yeah. Right. Well, same with Buddhism. Like it's like a zillion different takes, but also from the perspective of Nietzsche Buddhism, um, um, it's not, and, and Mahayana Buddhism in general, which is a big a lot, um, umbrella under, under which a lot of kinds of Buddhism lie, but um, you're ego state or your personality doesn't continue. It goes back into the consciousness and then comes back out in some other way, Mm -hmm. right? So the fundamental Buddha nature or the fundamental life force or the fundamental universal principle that we are fundamentally continues, but how that personality configures um, might change. But also I would say that Buddhism doesn't, pretend to know exactly what happens when you die. It just believes that we, that the consciousness never started and will never end. It's forever. Mm. It's a, you know, there's no beginning to it and there's no end to it. So in that sense, that fits nicely into the idea of, because like eternity just means everything is now. Eternity doesn't mean a long, long time. Eternity means everything is now. Mm. So, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I would say um, that's the thing. It's just like consciousness is neither created nor destroyed, it just always is. And how that manifests itself incarnation wise, I don't know. And I don't think anybody knows for sure. But the idea of karma, people will observe certain patterns, right? And there can be family karma, like everyone in my family keeps messing up their relationships, or we have this financial karma, which, you know, generational, which again, is just common sense in that if I have a really rich parent, my chances of being rich are higher. Right. But then you say, oh, well, then that's just random. Well, no, at some point I wanted to, I chose to experience being a rich kid and finding out what the pros and cons of that are or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, but um, 
But I doubt it's choosing like at a table with like a contract. It's more probably just a sense of this configuration of energy would best be suited to this. And it um, slides in. That, so that's my idea of karma. Is that a lot? That another fire hose burst of karma? I like your point that a lot of people think of it as like a universal debt. Mm. And that's a very Catholic point of view. <laughs> like the, you know, I have to atone for my sins and I have to do the sacrament to like, you know, rebalance the universal debt. Mm -hmm, because so, there's this judge who's got these mm -hmm. rules that you have to guess. Yes. And they are arbitrary, by the way. Yes. Um... So I like the, like the semantic shift of it's just, you're going to get the consequences of your actions. Sometimes it's right now, sometimes it's in the future. Mm -hmm. Perhaps those consequences are positive. Yeah. And um, people who have a bigger delay because they're more out of rhythm with that universal principle, mm -hmm. um, who have a delay in that have more time to accumulate more shitty karma. Yeah. So they have bigger you know, face plants later. Mm -hmm. So that's, so that, yeah, I would say I'm, well, Josh, I'll even probably attest to this, that I can get a little bit like, I'll, okay, I don't, I'm, I'm in a mood right now. I do not want to make a cause, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is like a Buddhist way of saying, I don't want to do something that's going to fuck me up. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make a cause. But everything's a cause. Like I was, I did recently and so I wasn't talking and I knew I was like because everything I wanted to say was angry and so I didn't and so I was like in my mind I'm like not talking is a cause <laughs> but the shit I want to say would be a worse cause right <laughs> so I'm gonna not say anything <laughs> so what what led me to believe that I am living a life where I have chosen all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this this crazy astrology system called human design, and I think yeah. I mentioned it before, right? It's a thing that a lot of people are into, yeah. I mean, not a lot of people, but I've heard of it a, a few times, I yeah. should say. Yeah. Well, in human design, there's these different profiles, these different, like, prescriptions for your life. And I found out that mine is the 4-1 profile, and the 4-1 profile is the rarest one, and it is essentially a bonus life. So, Sweet. I, so with all of the other profiles, you are either creating karma or you're burning off karma, and the 4-1 is like, you did all that, you just get a bonus life now, right? Nice so I feel like... If I were to create my life, like, th this would be it. Right? Oh, I, would, yeah. I would, like, I would want to have a bunch of pain at the beginning. <laughs> just, like, get all that learning done. Like, get, just, like, maximize my time here. Okay. Yeah. But, who knows? My, my therapist tells me that, like, no, everybody has karma. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't buy that either. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not, because, it, again, if you could, if it was such a thing that you could be done, right. you wouldn't be here. Like, we're here, like, we, like, there is such a thing, the concept of a bodhisattva, which is a person who could have, who is, can, 
is prepared and able to attain enlightenment and could even choose out of the cycle of birth and death, but chooses to come to Earth to help the other beings. And that means they might, they're likely going to face sufferings so that they are better prepared to help other people too. So it doesn't mean right. that, you know, they're going to come in all glowy. Yeah. Like I see some, you know, some, you know, a bodhisattva isn't sometimes going to look like have a cigarette poke and out of the corner of her mouth and, you know, can of chew in her pocket, right? Just like I do right now. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> right? So, I mean, you know, bodhisattva is just a regular human being. But that is here to participate in the alleviation of suffering and helping people to become, figure out how to become happy. So, yeah, so there's that idea. But I don't think that, I don't think there's ever a get out of karma jail free, get out of karma well, free card. So I don't think I've gotten out of it. I think what it means is that, like, the, the generational thing is gone. But things still have to balance out. So, like, my karma, that I, I'm still generating karma in this life. Yeah. But I'm also paying for all of it in this life. Like, I am not leaving anything for the next ride. Oh, yeah. No. Why, why do that? Yeah. Now, I think if you finally relieve all of your karma, you get to be a cat. With a cool cat tower. You get to be that cat. Oh, she has a runny eye, though. That's some sort of cat karma. Tabby cat, tabby cat, don't you cry. Up on your tower so high in the sky. Tabby cat, tabby cat, as you lick your hand, you live in the cat land. <laughs> oh god, her eye is twitching. <laughs> Tabby cat, tabby cat. She's like, everyone's thinking about my weird eye. <laughs> she's like, I've never felt self-conscious before. <laughs> I know. She's, she's like totally self-conscious. She's like, what is happening? <laughs> well, this has been a really good episode. This is our best Just episode ever. Oh. It was even a it was slightly deeper. Mm-hmm. You guys want to be on our show again? Yeah. Yes. You can have you back on the show. You need to be on our show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's going to mm-hmm. happen. See, Mitch knows it is, and he's, like, created our reality. I'm glad we got to be in it. I, th- I think I participated. I know Claire did. Mm-hmm. And absolutely Josh did. Josh created. What if Josh created all of it? Yeah, which one of us is the really alive person? Who knows? I don't know. Well, shall we sign off? Do you have anything else to say? I kind of, like, steamrolled you and didn't let you say any words this whole time. Well, I, I was going to present my impression of karma using a, like, sonic metaphor with a guitar. Mm. But there's just not time now. We'll have to save it for another show. It was different than the Tabby Cat song? Because that's, that's an instant classic. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. We'll have some memes up pretty soon. Um, <laughs> some merch, merchandise. Oh, my God. She, she said merchandise because she knew that I sometimes say Dutch Brothers, and she thinks I didn't wouldn't know what merch is. Okay. Okay, and then at the end of our shows, we always say, I love you. So I love you, Claire. I love you, Mitch. I love, love you, Josh. Mitch. 
I love everyone we here. We love you guys, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> Pressure. Love. That's how you do it.